Hi, I'm Scott Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. This podcast is for professionals who want to work in the advisory space. It's a series of conversations and essential frameworks to give better advice. It's the stuff they don't teach you at uni. It's where value sits. So buckle in, volume up, let's go. Welcome to the GAF Podcast. Scott Fitzpatrick here. Very excited. I've got Grant Abbott with me from Abbott and Morley. Now, Grant, you're a career journeyman, a household name in financial services. Uh, well, yeah, it's. I, I think what I've done is always push the envelope. I just see where things are going. And I, I tend to be um, probably like four or five years ahead of where I am, which is in the past has cost me a lot of money because, <laughs> you, know, you know, they build it and they'll come, you build it and then... They don't come and then you get pissed off because like three or four years later they come and you're not there anymore. But yeah, I I, I just like looking forward. Um, you know, I've always been a a bit of a futurist, um, seeing what's coming down the track. And then um, the good thing about it is most of the stuff that I've predicted has always come true. So that you know, I do end up having a, a good following uh, with people, which is great. And and again, it's like. Um, the good thing is both you and I are the teachers um, and particularly, you know, from phys ed teaching or maths teaching, you can't go into a class and, you know, just sit there and drone on because the, the kids um, will just drone out, you know, they'll they'll go out. It's the same thing as that I do a lot of presentations, do a lot of speaking and the same with the gaffers. You've got to, you know, you've got to give people something entertaining and things to take away to action at any point in time because, if you don't, then they're not going to turn up again. They might have years ago to do CPD, yep. but now there's just so much everywhere. Like, look at this. We've got virtually, you know, to do this 20 years ago, you would have had to have like a huge room, cameras, you know, the whole works. Yep. And now it's just the kids on TikTok, you know. Look at the, the videos they're making, just amazing. We need to get on TikTok, Grant, but that's another subject, you and I. Yeah, exactly. And it is it is lovely that we've uh, known each other for uh, far too long, 20 years. I know, I know. We're both former PE teachers and now both sort of teaching, mentoring in the financial services space. But so just give us the quick rundown. You know, you were the superannuation guru and now you've, yeah. you've reinvented yourself. Well, not reinvented. You've looked into the future and gone like this whole wealth yeah. transfer Superannuation, estate, asset protections really come to the fore for you. Yeah, I always find there's a pivotal um, moments in my time that uh, switches occur. Um, one is um, I was did phys ed and ended up um, going overseas skiing and then coming back. And mum and dad had moved up to uh, Sydney, so I thought I'll go up there. And I was going to come back to Melbourne and finish off my studies, but ended up meeting a, you know whether it's serendipity, met a, a female and decided to stay up in, in Sydney, who then encouraged me to do um, Bachelor of Economics and um, a law degree. And, and you know, I just did it because I, I was very lucky. I got really good marks at school. And I read a book by Peter Klein, um, who was the, they called him the artful tax dodger. He was going through all these Lichtenstein and Stoltz and how you do this and all that. And I thought, Man, this sounds really good that, you know, you're actually always going to be on the right side making people happy. 
So I, I got in that that tax law area, which was fantastic, um, and worked worked my way up. And then, again, after about seven or eight years, you get a bit stale doing the same sort of thing. And um, lo and behold, uh, superannuation came around, and you know they were saying in those days that there was going to be a trillion dollars in super by twenty twenty. You know, there's three and a half trillion. And I thought, well, you know, my grandma always said, well, if you're going to be in a profession, make sure it is one that's got a big pipe of money. And follow the money. Well, yeah, follow the money. Well, because yeah. you know you're not going to go wrong there. So I followed that, and that that then you know I was the institutional side, the funds management side with Rothschild, um, and but then I could see that the strategies I used to do with the large firms I could do down at this small level when they made self managed super funds, and that that sort of stood me in good stead. Now, I can't believe it's now like 28 years or something, you know, since SMSFs come up and well. Yeah, I know it's amazing, isn't it? You know, and I, I was there right at the start, you know, doing all the hard yards. But you know, they've had their turn. I was still fantastic, you know, with them. But you know, they're they're a generational thing. I think they'll they'll slowly not wither and die, but they're not going to be the force that they were many years ago. Um, and then probably around about five years ago, I was uh, married yet again, and yet again, the, yet again, yet again, and then um, my ex-wife now she had two children and I've got two children from a former wife and that typical blended family and it was my mum actually um, brought it to me she said well why you know if something happens to me and money goes to you and then something happens to you then it goes to Amrita and her kids what about my grandchildren and so so out of that I started focusing in on building uh, bloodline SMSFs, so to contain things within the bloodline, and then that expanded out to a bloodline trust. And I must admit, in the early days, five or six years ago, I didn't really know what I was doing, uh, but now I've like perfected it um, in this concept of a leading member trust, um, so that it only goes to bloodline um, and you know protecting family. And then that's led on to succession planning. So I've done a lot of study of you know the royal families, how they're so amazing at this Germany yep. something happens between today you know exactly who's going to be there yeah Germany and you know where all the assets are going to go and and if Charles isn't around you know there so it's a matter of getting that line of strong succession and then on top of that is that you know there's we know it I mean in our industry if you went back 20 20 years ago it was pretty you know people making commissions and the planning everything was right and rosy, but now there's so much regulatory oversight. Mm-hmm. You know, even with the tax office now, technology is good on one side, but it's also bad on the other, that you know, the tax office knows exactly what you're doing and they can just push out all these directed penalty notices and, you know, that scares, uh, you and I get it, you just fix it up, but that scares a lot of people and litigation, you know, you can be sued and, yeah, it's so, yeah. you know, that asset protection and then obviously estate planning, so in a different different way, shape or form. Yeah, um, two things come up for me there. One was what, why do you think, I'm just going to backtrack, why do you think self-managed super funds will slowly decrease? Not die, but just you think technology I, 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 or... Okay, so I'm going to say a few controversial things here. Good, get into but, it. So I was going back and having a look at our, um, you know, the last, the last time interest rates were really quite heavy because because when it comes down to it, inflation actually last time inflation was quite heavy in Australia, 
over 6%. Because it all, all comes down to supply and demand. I mean, that's just basic 101 economics. So that, you know, if there's a big demand, it's hardly any supply, prices go up. And so if we had a look back in the early 70s, it went from 1971 to 1990. You know, we were over 6%. We actually went up to about 13 or 14% there at one stage. In, I remember my first early, mortgage. Yep. Yeah, in the early 80s. And, and again, why did that happen? The, the reason that happened was that there was a generation called the baby boomers born between 46 and 1964 that suddenly all those people, that cohort, suddenly moved from being at home with their family or their mum and dad and university or wherever they were, suddenly to go and buy houses. So that meant that houses, you know, all the things that, that come along with that, and then they had children and, you know, all those expenses, and suddenly you've got a, a cohort which is really huge, has, a, has had a huge impact, and it follows through the whole way. And, like, for example, if you went back maybe 30 years ago, um, the the big thing then was negative gearing into property. You know, yep. super wasn't a huge, huge thing. But then, you know, once they get around about 55, 60, people start to look at super. So super is now a really, really big thing. Unfortunately, the baby boomers sort of missed a lot of that. So we're in a stage now that, you know, I'm at the, I'm, how old are you now? 59. Yeah, so you're probably, actually you're not, I think, yeah, you're the very arse end, so to speak, of the, the baby boom generation. I've got the body of a 40-year-old though. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Yeah. You can tell me that, exactly. Um, and then, then it means now that these baby boomers are, Really, a lot of them have gone down because that you know they they you know, we all believe we're smart, you know we can do our own thing. So self managed has really taken off with with yeah. that cohort. Um, and if the the growth rate had stayed like it was for years ago, there'd be about eight hundred thousand to a million funds, but there's still only six hundred thousand. Okay. And mind you, the value goes up because yeah. people are staying in them long, and that they, they don't do drawdowns. So with that in mind, it's the, the baby boomers went there. The next generation, Gen X, probably haven't so much um, to any great extent. Um, and then the millennials, you know, to a lesser extent as, as well. Um, the really big zenith, you know, I called it in 2015. I said, look, this is, this is the ultimate, you know, th this is as good as it's going to get for SMSFs. And then the year after that, Morrison, who was the treasurer, um, introduced all those rafter rules, you know, the 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 transfer pension balance, which was a travesty, it was retrospective legislation. And after that, um, people obviously got a little bit concerned. But that that in itself, that baby boom generation is really for SMSFs, you know, I still see them as as important, but if and this is where it's going to get controversial, is we need to think about the fact that there's 5 million baby boomers who are essentially retired now and so they're they're not working anymore so they're living off their savings so they're the ones with all the the property the investment property they've got a lot of shares they're going to be clamping down on their wallets they don't pay any tax a lot of them have left their savings too late so they're on um, Centrelink and social security that's a big swathe of people to go into healthcare as well, um, aged care, dementia care. 
So we suddenly got the the good impact when they were down building houses. Now what yeah. we've got is them getting older, and that's going to create a big budgetary impact. And what's going to happen is the next generation, the Generation X and Millennials, as they become politicians, they're going to have to sort that out. Um, and the only what there's look, what I would argue is there's going to be death duties in the next you know ten years, ten to fifteen years. Is simply there's um, the Productivity Commission looked at um, what's going to happen. There's around about 280. Um, there's around about 280 million dollars a year. Um, in fact, it's not. It's 280 billion dollars a year which is being passed um, between baby boomers and whatever yeah. from their death. So if you think they're not paying any tax, they're doing their own stuff. The only way you're actually going to access some budgetary from them is death duties. Um, so I see that that's coming down the track, unfortunately. Um, but anyway, that's, that's we, we need to have a look at that. Yeah, you do, and that, well, that's a great that's a great um, entree into my what I wanted to talk about, which is where do you see the future? If that's the backdrop, now I see this backdrop of commoditization occurring yeah. throughout the the professional services. But so where where does accounting, legal, and wealth end up in the future? Well, again, if you if you take it um, the the demographic, and if you have a look back at uh, guys like Harry Dent and all that, they've they've done a lot of demographics around baby boomers and that. And I think we're all a little bit late to the market. We thought that you know there'd be a, a change in the market, you know, a bit earlier, but it's it's happened now. I think QE that monetary you know modern monetary theory is sort of. You know, there's there's a big finger in the dike, and they keep on pumping it up and put more fingers in, but it's now starting to get um, quite deflated. You know, if we if we go down the track, um, that's that's a lot of accountants, and these people have been professionals because in my day, baby, you, you had to be a professional. You know, you're either a tradie, but you looked on really well if you worked in a bank. You know, you're an accountant or your lawyer or whatever. These days, kids don't want to do that sort of stuff. It's all too hard work. You know, we were having a chat with some people yesterday. Um, some lawyers were looking at hiring and finding it very hard. The first thing that people ask is, "Well, what's your work from home policy?" Yep. You know, that's that that and that that it has an impact because it means that all these fancy offices that the lawyers love to have in the the centre of the city. You know, that, that's just irrelevant. Yeah. Partners. Well, you mentioned the partners' profits. They just must be going down. So it's a completely different environment we're working in, and it's quite a fundamental change. Um, so, you know, from my perspective, um, the accounting profession, and you and I have chatted about that, they, they're going through the financial planning profession, first off, they're going through huge changes and, and they don't, they just don't understand what's going on um, and where they should be pivoting to. It's the same with the accounting profession. They just can't keep on doing what they're doing because there is no succession in the accounting profession. They can't get staff. Um, as, as you said before, that well, there's more practising Australian tax accounts over in India than there is in Australia. Yeah. So that's, that's, there's two things there. One is the, the offshoring. Um, the second one is obviously the um, a lot more automation. And look, I've been in that automation field for like 10 or 12 years. Um, we've now got it at, um, I've got a technology firm as well, which basically 
now got like 150 legal docs on there. Um, and But the big thing that we like is the, the multiple documents that I can go in and do a complete restructure of a client, do their wills, do their SMSF wills, EPOAs. Um, I can then go and upgrade their deeds for their trusts, for their SMSFs. Uh, I can put in what we call a family protection, asset protection mechanism. That's that's like about 35, 40 documents. You can do it for the spouse. So it takes you up to 45 documents. You do it all in one interview. It takes me 45 minutes. Whereas if I try to go and do that in a law firm, that would take, you know, that would take like six or seven months, even if they knew what they were doing. And it costs you, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now what we're doing is with technology, through Abbott and Morley, we devise these. But the Lightyear technology is quite special and it now means that accountants can offer these services. Now, the only problem that we're faced is that accountants would be a lot more profitable if they offer this stuff, the asset protection, succession planning, because clients love that. Clients don't love you when you tell them how much tax or whatever yep. you have to do. But the big, the big play here is... You know, through their automation, we're making things very time efficient, but accountants just don't seem to have time because they're, they're just overloaded doing grunt stuff for clients, which is really tough. And, and I'm sure no accountant, you know, that I know ever wanted to go in and just do tax compliance all the time. They'd rather do tax strategies or asset protection strategies or estate planning. So it's a it's a fundamental shift. That's It's a... It's a really interesting one, that, um, because, you know, you are at the f- forefront of this commoditization wave. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you say, 145 yeah, yeah. documents um, that you can produce. And, you know, I'll, I'll look at these. I love that arrow concept about uh, Vince Fitzsimons was talking about. They went to Harvard and studied it. And the, the response there was deliver the advice how the client wants the advice, not how you want to deliver it. Exactly. I say, look, go and have a chat with your client. The first thing is you only need to ask them one question and it can fundamentally change your business. And, and I've seen it happen. So we have to do just say, um, on a scale of one to 10, tell me how important it is to protect your family wealth for your bloodline. And, and you don't need to do that. I mean, I'm, what, what would yours be? What would your rating be? Yeah, I'd, I'd give myself a nine. Exactly. Most people give themselves a nine out of ten. Yeah. Whereas if you said to them, "Well, you know, you know, how important is it for you to really make sure that you get all your receipts, you do all your tax compliance, and all that?" You know, <laughs> it's not not even a zero. Yeah. You had <laughs> yeah. me at a low. Yeah. yeah. So when you're engaging with clients, this is what you're saying is you need to you need forward momentum. So they they need to be drawn to something, not away from something. So what we need to do there is then focus on that family wealth protection for bloodline. And that's that's the most important because we see, you know, we all see you've done extremely well in your life. Um, a lot of people have done really well, but it can be taken away in a heartbeat. You know, if you've got the commissioner grinding down on you, that's it. You've got a million dollars in legal fees it, it, if they want to really play hardball. So you've got to... You've got to prepare for that. And litigation is the most expensive and I think the biggest rip-off um, in Australia as it, as it is everywhere around the world. You know, because once you, once you go to court, it's expensive. Then they just keep on adjourning things. Yeah, I did hear a quote from a EY partner saying 
New South Wales is the third most litigious state in the world after Florida and California. Absolutely. And guess what? It's the it's also the state that has or the place in the world that has the most lawyers being produced from the law schools per capita amongst everywhere in the world. So they need, do you know what I mean? It, it's supply and demand. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Supply and demand. So if there's a big supply and there's not a demand, the good thing about the law is you can always create it. <laughs> Litigate. So, yeah. Grant, the obvious question is, it comes up about with the online documents, and I know you do a lot of training yeah. in this area, so I'm really interested in your response here, about who's responsible for the advice and the implementation and where does liability sit for that? And I, and I know this is a big focus for you. Yeah, yeah look, there's, there's, been, um, there's actually been quite a few cases in Western Australia about it. Um, but really the, the, the big, you know, it's been around for two to 300 years, is there's a difference between simply being what they call a, a scrivener. A scrivener is simply someone who just fills in the data um, compared to someone who actually drafts up the document. So, for example, there was a, um, a guy in Western Australia who set up a franchise to do wills and estate planning and all that. So he'd get people come in, they'd pay here, and he'd show them how to write up wills. So as soon as you do that, you're obviously moving into the, the legal services side. Whereas if you are working off a template that has been produced, so the classic one that I think most people look at is, and they, they tend to miss, is that if I go to a real estate agent um, and I want to rent a property, I'm going to get a lease agreement yep. from the real estate agent who has absolutely no knowledge. And what do they do? They just simply put in all the, the details around that. Yep. And that's not the provision of a legal service. It's the same thing. So that when you're coming around and doing like a company is very easy, uh, when you're doing a trust or an SMSF establishment, uh, very easy. Um, you can even go through the variations uh, for SMSF is very easy. Um, you can uh, vary a discretionary trust. Most people aren't aware. I mean, the, the law profession is miles behind on this, um, that there is no resettlement if you vary a discretionary trust and upgrade it, and, and really most people should do that. The, the main thing is you need to have a look. The, the full federal court basically said that, you need to make sure that when you upgrade it, you do it in accordance with the prior deed, the mechanism they say. So if they say that the trustee has to have a meeting, you do that. If they say the trustee has to have, have a meeting and then the appointor signs off, then you do that. And then it just flows on. So the trust never gets um, disintegrated. So again, that's, that's probably that area um, is taking a bit more legal analysis. So um, uh, accountants can do that. Uh, but you're just getting a little bit exposure there. But that's where Abbott Morley can come in. So we can come in and just check your documentation if you want to do that. And that's not an expensive process. So I, I see that I see that there's a certain element that accountants, for example, the way we like working is uh, we've got built all these systems for doing wills and enduring powers of attorney. Um, and they're quite sophisticated. And we've had a lot of our people... Uh, planners are, are the big movers in this area, and it's silly, you know, the planners should be doing this sort of stuff. Um, they'll draft it up on our system at Lightyear Docs, and then what happens is they then send it to us at Abbott Morley for a check. 
we have a meeting with the client just to make sure everything is is online and then we sign it off. So then it's a cohabitation between the two. So that way um, it covers their stuff, it covers all the PI. But for the most, most online documents like loan agreements, mortgage deeds we do, commercial leases, residential leases, I'd say, you know, a large majority of the, the documents we do um, are all covered by Abbott and Morley. We've set the template up. It would only be if you pull the template down. That's why you can only get as a PDF from us. Yep. If you pull the template down and then change the template, that's where you're stuffed. And where does the PI sit? Does it sit differently for the accountants and the financial planners or wealth guys? Um, yeah, PI is a little bit different. Um, so it depends on what you're doing. Um, with estate planning, um, there is really no, you know, it's sort of, if you have a look at SMSFs, um, they're sort of caught, semi-caught uh, by the Corporations Act, the same as the planner. So if a planner does an SMSF, or does a binding death benefit or nomination of pension, they have to do a statement of advice. And you know how painful they are. They're not, they're not easy to do. They take a long time. You don't make any money out of it. Um, surprisingly, ASIC has given exemptions to accountants and tax agents. So there's a lot of stuff that they can do that probably not aware they're being told that they can't do. Right. Uh, when you go down to that estate planning route in EPOA, there is no licensing rules around that or there's no regulations around that. So then it comes down to that legal services. That's the only thing doing that. So we're starting to see a big switch that that succession, asset protection and you know, bloodline planning, uh, effectively at the moment, that is not regulated. So which is one of the reasons I set up the um, with a whole lot of other people, succession, asset protection, estate planning advisors association, so that we can that's now... A, that's a mouthful. It is. I know. We call it Sir Pepper, mate. So <laughs> like our salt and pepper hair. So, <laughs> so it is a mouthful, uh, but it it's, it's starting to gain ground. We've got 200 advisors there, but we've got some really strong competency standards um, that now, again... Are you saying I won't get in? No, you'll get in, mate, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Because you're a good-looking dude, so no, you'll get you'll get in. I think it's a we've got uh, courses there, so people then get a credit. Well, that's that's great because one of the things I often get asked is where do I get more information? Because in my mind, the shortfall for a lot of advisors, whether it's accountants or planners out there, is around the asset protection. Not so much yeah. the estate planning, but a lot of the asset protection. I'm always getting asked, right. where is there a course I can do? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got. Uh, we've got a three-day course, and um, if you go through that course, it's through Lightyear Training Group. So, so Pepper, as the industry association, is accrediting various courses. So, part of part of my purview is is that technology course I've got. In order to do a lot of this stuff, and you and I know, you need to learn, and then you need to get an accreditation. And and the reason I know that is, I found many years ago. Um, and that was, I think, Brian told me years ago. Who was the guy over in Perth, the partner over in Perth for um, how many years ago? So anyway, we, at that stage, we were talking about SMSFs. I think it was around about 1999. Yep. And that they weren't going anywhere. And then it was, well, that's because you need to have an association and you need to have a educational standard that people then put up on the wall. And once you do that, then you feel confident and then you go out and talk about it. Yep. So that's what I did with the SMSF Professionals Association. Um, and that ended up being a bit of a um, 
problematic because it went in a way that I didn't want them to go. But um, now with Sepepa, I've done it again. And and this is, the Sepepa is like 10 times bigger than SMSFs will ever be. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. now, now we've got a three-day course. They yeah. finish the course. They can then go and get, I think it's $250 they pay and they get certification. They get certified as an advisor. They can put it everywhere. And, and the thing is, once they do the course, they'll never be able to look at a client again because if you look at it with your tax glasses on or your accounting glasses and then suddenly you're aware of all this other stuff and you start saying, well, would you like me to protect your family wealth? And the client says, absolutely. Absolutely. Then, then, I mean, the hard thing is you can't walk into a meeting and not come out. And, and you can start small with just simple things like successor director. There's 3 million companies out there. A lot of them got sole directors. And ASICs warned like 15 years ago that if something happens to that sole director, what happens to that company? And people say, well, oh, yeah, but those shares may end up, you know, in the estate and all that. But what happens if the estate's litigated? And even, even probate and all that takes a long time. So that, um, again, Essex warned that it's rudderless. It's a rudderless ship. And if you've got staff and all that, you can't, we can't look after them. So the process there is, you know, we've developed a system inside Lightyear that we have a successor director. So it's not an alternate director because they, they drop off when you die. But it simply means that, you know, on my death, I've got a forward-looking binding resolution that says, you know, Scott Fitzpatrick, is going to take over on my death, and then you're automatically appointed as a director um, of the company to keep it. Again, that's the succession style. You want to make sure it keeps an, on foot. And that's an easy one. And guys, are, you know, you can knock that out. Um, changing company constitution, you do the forward-looking binding resolution. And for obviously the incoming director, you do a deed of indemnity. That's all packaged up in one. Takes you 10 minutes to do max. Um, and most people are charging $550, $600 for that. So it, you work it out for a lot of accountants out there. You know, if you've got like 500 companies inside your, in your business. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful, that's a huge, beautiful yeah. starter revenue stream for the year. Exactly. So, so Grant, yeah. it, just, it's just triggered me again. With your course, that you've got, you know, the accountants, lawyers, wealth guys in there. It feels to me like the, the professions are narrowing is one word or in some way or another competing for this to be able to give this advice into the future? Yeah, or is it just that what they've done in the past, they've been siloed. So they've come yep. through, I'm an accountant or I'm a lawyer. Own, you're swimming in a lane, you're going to... Yeah, I, I, I can't move out of that lane. Yep. But then the client has become a lot more sophisticated and said, yep. well... What I need is to protect my look. We dealt with we dealt with one the other day, and this guy it took five minutes to sell him. He said, "I've been telling my accountant for you know he, he's turning over nine million dollars um, in his business. Um, he's got all these companies. He's just the sole director of, and you know he's worried about because he's in the construction industry. He's always worried, and he's dealing with government contracts. And you know what can happen there? Yep." And he said, I've been talking to my accountant for two years about asset protection. I'm just really worried. So he's going to bed and he's always worried. Hmm. Um, and then I said, look, it's not a bad thing. This is what you've got to do. And we can fix things up within, you know, probably a project time, maybe two to three months. But we're going to fix up that successor director straight away. So at least if something happens to you, we've got some, some time to, to, to work out. And, you know, he was just like, it's just this huge weight off his hmm. shoulder. 
because he knows, the clients all know, and the clients know that that they've got children who ne'er do wells or they're meeting yeah. with someone else. Yeah. But when they die, they've seen friends be caught up in, you know, huge big estate, you know, cases. Um, and they don't want it to happen to them. So, um, you know, we've built a whole lot of systems around that. And, again, that comes out in that three-day course. And it's just interesting that you know, the clients are asking for their advisors to broaden the conversation. I know. It's amazing. Look, at, yeah. out of that, and, I mean, where did it come from? It came from my mum yep. asking me to come yeah. up with a solution. And the other one we had was... Um, Again, that that we build these um, we build these trusts, whether it's a testamentary or what we call a living trust, which I, I think is the the new way forward to protect against potential death duties. But if mum and dad die and you've got young kids in there, well, it came up that well, okay, so the kids are in there, but who's actually going to look after things? And they can't let the brother and sister. So the whole concept came up of having an advisory board. Yep. For these children. So now part of Sepepa, we're going to offer an extra dimension there that people can go and um, look at people who will then have the skills to act on an advisory board for um, the family's wealth and to make sure you protect the kids. Wow. And get How many people need am that? I, am Everybody. I paying you to say this or what? What? Am I paying you to say this? I don't know. Well, we're, we're singing from the same hymn book here. Yeah, but it's not. It's because... You and I, again, we can see what's what's coming down the track. And, again, it's the clients saying, oh, I need a solution to that. And so you come up with a solution. Now, it's got nothing to do with tax. It's no. got nothing to do with investments because I don't want to do that stuff. That's, you know, that, that's my background. But yep. the investments, it's up to them. You know, these guys, some guys make a lot of money doing businesses. Some do this and all that. And that's not my forte. My forte is in protecting and making sure it goes where it's supposed to go so and the family is looked after. I'm going to wrap this up shortly, but what do you think makes a good advisor in that space, in that family board space? Um, you need to find out all about the family, which is fantastic because you know what you do? You sit down and, like, when I have a meeting, I just say, well, tell me about your family. You know, who's good, who's bad, which relationships you like, to get on with the grandkids, you like this and all that. Because out of that framework, you're finding who's got the potential of running litigation or litigation action or or who do we need to protect going down the track so that if you've got a, a and what we do is we use split trust, but if you got down there, you're not going to necessarily put them in charge of, you know, their part of the thing. So what you're doing is you, once you get that family, and the funny thing about it is people love talking about family. And it's funny because you can the bad and the ugly. Yeah, yeah, well, they do. They love talking yep. about it, and then you can say, "Well, the good thing about it is I've seen everything. Honestly, mate, I've seen absolutely everything." And then, then, then it's easy because the more you talk about the family, by the time you finish that session, you could easily just, "Okay, well, this is what we're going to do," and you know you're going to hit all the high points because you know as long as you remember their names. You know, you can actually feed it back to them and say, okay, yeah, we're you're putting the jigsaw puzzle back together. Yeah, we're going to put this one. This one's going to be, um, they're going to have money, but it's going to be tight. It can only be bloodline. So if they stray out, we've even done ones where <laughs> the kids um, have to, in order to get a distribution from the trust, they um, have to be sober for six months or they have to have a drug test. Yep. Um, we've done other ones that they don't get capital. 
Yeah, they don't get capital to um, unless it's for a rehab facility. So again, you can go down that track there. And, and look, I wish I, I came up with it myself, but this is almost part of the course over in the US. They call them living trusts. And they they tend like us, they don't like going through that estate mechanism because probate takes a long time, takes a couple of years, can be contested, whereas a living trust, you know, you can't be challenged. I love that. I, I did see, you know, I like the idea of they've got to do a week's charity work before they get a distribution. It's a good idea. Well, fantastic. You know, I guess, do you think they'll do it or not? Absolutely. Well, I think more likely to if they want the check. <laughs> exactly. Now, um, Grant, you've been really, really good. I'm just really interested in mindset about reinventing yourself and staying relevant and like this future thinking. Whereas I see a lot of professionals have just stuck in the ruts that it's a bit too yeah. harsh. But what's your mindset? How do you how do you stay relevant? Well, I, I spend I, where the, the hard thing is probably there's a lot of stuff going, a lot of energy. So I'm a great energy person. So you know, I like, I, you can just feel the energy. Like when you get up in the morning, you know, I drove down to Brisbane today, you know, there's a lot of hustle bustle and all that. So I like getting up around about maybe 4, 4.30 and then doing half hour meditation. Now it's not like sitting in a corner or that. No. It's now there's, um, there's a really good app. It's called Insight Timer. Like there's 15,000 meditation. They're all guided meditation. So you find one that, you know, whether it's going to soothe you, like I did one this morning about um, getting rid of anxiety and fear. Not that I had any, but what it did is it took me back to a time when I was anxious about my business and then showed me how to um, overcome that again so that there's tools out there that we need to train our mind for. Um, look, a, a classic one is I was watching yesterday, and this will give you an idea of the sort of stuff, David Goggin, I don't know if you know who he is. No. But if you, if you jump on and have a look, this guy used to be like 300 pounds. Now he's, you know, he just runs like 1,500 miles. You know, he did like 6,000 pull-ups. And his whole thing was if my mind says I can't do it, I'm going to blast through it because that's that's the door I want to break through and the fact that I've got pain and all that. You know, now I, that's that's not my style, but it's good to have all of that sort of stuff flowing into your mind yep. rather than the crap that you yep. see, the t- the TV. I mean, if you just Positive think... noise. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to wrap up in a sec, but this has been great. So I yeah. just want to confirm for Abbott and Morley, you're happy to do full advice right through yeah. to helping people through the advisors with the documents and then signing off if need be absolutely so like you can like through the system if you can do it on lightyear docs and honestly lightyear docs is ridiculously cheap for all the documents but they're really sophisticated they go through you can set it off and and we'll just check the document briefly or alternatively if it's something a bit more detailed you want us to get involved or alternatively there's going to be some hardcore really big cases and then what we'll do is we can get involved right from the start right and then second, you've got the training courses for advisors yep. in any profession who want to get into this space and get some confidence and capability around it. Yeah, so um, we've got four training courses coming up next next year. So there's always a course around. So we've got the three-day succession. I've got a three-day SMSF accredited advisor. I've got a two-day advanced estate planning and then two-day advanced trusts and companies um, intensive. So 
We've got um, those that are, are being done twice next year, but you can always do them online. So if you just contact Lightyear Docs or Talitha, T-A-L-I-T-H-A, at lightyearedocs.com.au, she'll she'll give you a super Fitzpatrick deal. Or well, a she, deal. She'll she, give you a sure, her mum works for me. I know, exactly. There you go. Just, Talk just about six degrees of separation. I know, it's ridiculous. And then then you were over in West Australia last week and oh. one of my like, legal staff or technical staffs over there as well. So I, can't, I cannot escape your tentacles, seriously. No. <laughs> so listen, I'm going to finish on this. That's been a great session, mate. I might need to get you back on to dive yeah. under the bonnet a bit more on some of these concepts that you're using with these yeah. high net wealth people. But yeah, definitely. Fantastic to have you on board, buddy. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you very much, Mr Fitzpatrick. Thanks for listening to the GAF podcast. We're all about empowering advisors. We think making great advisors is great for the community. Just to be clear, this is not personal advice. If you need personal advice, seek a qualified professional. Thanks for listening.